Oh, welcome to Mr. Cack and Me. It has been quite a while. It has been it has been a bit, okay? It hasn't been that long, everyone. Calm down. Listen, it's summertime and everyone's feeling good. We had a weird spring, so if your spring was anything like if your spring was anything like the spring we've had in Arkansas, uh, you've dealt with like first, second, third, fourth, and fifth winter just to get through it. We had like maybe five days of actual true things that I would legitimately call spring. Uh, and then for the most part, it's just been crazy hot or crazy rainy or just crazy crazy. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, I was looking at myself in a camera and suddenly thought, whoa, do I have a bump on my lip? Oh God, what could that mean? What horrificness could that be um but yeah so it's the weather's been weird and because the weather's been weird uh, i go through a process and it usually happens in the spring and the fall typically in the transition uh between months where i will just lose my voice uh in this this time it was pretty bad uh so i i lost my voice for like a good two weeks uh it was pretty brutal i, I sounded god awful and to make matters, I guess, better, in quotation marks, because it, it made matters worse, is during the two weeks that I had lost my voice, I actually was part of, I participated in a robotics competition that we put on uh, through my work. So um, my director of my program, he he oversees this and he has us help with it. So we're volunteers, but you know, the blurred line between volunteer and employee helping uh, your boss. Who knows? Who knows? But it actually is a tremendous amount of fun. Um, it's part of the first Lego League. So it's, it's you know, children like I think under the age of 13, maybe above the age of eight, somewhere in that dynamic of, of young people. And we do an open invitational that's international. So we'll have teams from, from you know, all all you know not all seven continents of course but you know from from various countries not just america now the american the united states the the definitely fills out a good chunk of our 80 open slots but we had i think two teams from israel um maybe two teams from spain maybe one or two teams from South Korea, I believe a Japanese team. I mean, so we have all of this representation of young people programming these Lego Mindstorm robots uh, coming to my university where I work, and, you know, it's just a tremendous treat. But this year, I was actually, it kind of felt like a promotion because I was being asked to be a game announcer, and even excluding the fact that I had no idea what it was I was talking about because I've never been part of the robot stuff, uh, it just felt nice to be part of something that was like a big chunk of this. Like to me, the game announcer seemed like a legitimate role within this overarching event. So I was extremely proud and a little bit nervous when I was asked to do it. And I thought because I had lost my week, my voice the week before that everything would you know, steady out, everything would be great, and by the time the event rolled around the following weekend, I would be good to go. I was not. I did. I, I immediately lost my voice even harder uh, after doing the first few matches uh, of it, and you know, there were 80 teams. Each team got to perform five matches, uh, so I called 
a third of that because there was three of us announcing. Uh, so I did about a third of that in over the course of, of two days and my voice, man, I just sounded rough. <laughs> my, my director at the end congratulated me on being the third best uh, announcer, which honestly I know was meant to be like a rib or a joke making fun of me. But honestly, with how bad my voice sounded, I took it as an honest to God uh, praise <laughs> because I I probably was honestly sounding like the sixth best out of three. You know, I just it was brutal, man. And and it, maybe it didn't sound bad for everyone else. Maybe it was just me. But like me, I knew I sounded bad. I knew I didn't have my full voice and I knew I wasn't able to give my all to something that I was genuinely kind of excited about doing. Uh, and it just, it, that bums me out, right? I'm not an overly competitive person. Uh, back when people used to do the Strengths Quest, competition is part of my five strengths or usually pops up in my five strengths. Um, so competition does does fall in line with, you know, key qualities within my, uh, within my personality. Um, but it's not like I was competitive against the other two announcers. Not at all. Uh, one guy, he has done it you know, every, you know, he's done it every year that I've been here, I feel like. Uh, and then the second announcer, she was a girl. I think she might even still be a high school student, but she came in, she didn't know what she was doing and she was flat out amazing. So I wasn't, it wasn't for me, it wasn't upset because I was in competition with them. It's more so, uh, my own personal competition of knowing that I could have done better, knowing that I should have sounded better, knowing that it could have been better. And, and while that may not have made me the best announcer, uh, you just felt like I left. It felt like I finally had a chance to do this thing that I was kind of very interested in doing and then just didn't get to make the most of it. And that that frustrates me. Uh, I try not to live in regrets, even though regrets do pop up. It's part of human nature. But when when things like that happen, things that just kind of feel like you don't know if you're going to be able to do this thing again. It just felt like, man, that is the potentially the one instance I get to do of that and I didn't even get to do it to the best of my ability. And that, man, that just bums me out. Because honestly, if it wasn't my super, it wasn't my director overseeing this stuff, if it was just an anonymous third party or just a third party in general or just someone that didn't know me, they would, I would, I would be flummoxed if they actually ever invited me to be a game announcer again. That is how bad I felt like I sounded. Uh, again, maybe it wasn't, but you know, maybe it's not a big deal. It's, you know, young kids, they don't care. They just want to do the robot performances. They just want to have a good time and enjoy the experience. And maybe the parents don't care because they're there to watch their kids, not to listen to some random stranger talking into a microphone. But for me, it bothers me. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to please me. I'm a very selfish person, very vain, very into my own self. So like, you know, I want to feel like I did a good job. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was great. Typically at this event, I oversee on the first day of the competition that evening, there is a talent show slash kind of carnival for the young competitors to come and attend. And I usually host the talent show. Um, but again, this year I felt like I got promoted into game announcing. So I was, you know, again, legitimately excited. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully because I work for the program. My director will 
out of pity and <laughs> invite me to do it again uh, next year is, is, you know, my hope is I would love to do game announcing again. And I really hope that I have my full voice um, because I, I do take some pride now even though I know that my streaming and these podcasts, I know they're not wildly popular at all. But for me, I do take a lot of pride in sounding like I know what I'm doing. I, I want I want my voice. My voice, I've, I've sat back and reflected on this a lot. And a lot of people, you know, some people have skills where they can just see something and they can take it apart and put it back together. Some people just very tactile, very hands-on. Some people are incredibly gifted with a certain subject, with math, with the sciences, with even the English language or just writing in general or languages in general. And I don't, you know, some people are athletic. Some people are insanely gifted athletics. The one thing that I can now look on and say, hey, if you were going to try to, com- you know, make me into a commodity, what what do I provide? What do I have to provide for a service? And for me, it's honestly my voice. I think my voice is probably the one resource I have to put out there. And if I was ever going to make anything and you know, it kind of is why I have the jobs I have is because I can communicate, but talking definitely helps in the equation of communicating. Um, and, you know, again, I feel like my voice, my ability to communicate is is probably one of the things that if I was going to market what you could sell from Chris, it would be that. Uh, so having an opportunity to really put my voice out there and do something to highlight my voice as something that is a resource, something that is of value, something that is of merit, and it not being able to go 100% and not being able to do it to the best of my ability, it just, it frustrates me. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I just had to get that off my chest because, hey, it's been a while. We've been apart. Uh, So I wanted to lay out there some of the things that's been going on. Outside of that, as we get into the summertime now, as Memorial Weekend is over and we're we're shifting into June and the official or unofficial start of summer's already hit, uh, it's now become the time of going on family trips slash binge watching series that come out or you know stuff like that. Because like right now it's a prime time. Uh, Stranger Things four recently dropped. Uh, the volume one. I'm excited for volume two. I've already binged all of volume one. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is out on Disney. Moon Knight finished up. The Halo series finished up. Uh, There's a couple, you know, eventually the second part of Stranger Things 4 is going to come out and that's going to be exciting. Um, But we've also, my wife and I have started watching some of the the docu-series that pop up on like Hulu or pop up on Netflix. And we were just kind of rummaging around on Netflix and we found something called Our Father. And we were interested because Stephanie seemed to have a bit of an understanding of what this docu-series or what this uh, documentary was about. I didn't necessarily know, but then when I read the description, I was like, oh my gosh, I think Law & Order... SVU has done an episode on this specific topic, and I think J- John Stamos was the, was the bad guy in it. But anyways, it was called Our Father. It's on Netflix, and it's about a fertility doctor who was using his own sperm to impregnate women that were coming in for his um, either in vitro or the fertility services or trying to, to help 
um, with with any kind of issues that were that were stopping them from getting pregnant. And right now, I think the last I saw his count, and the guy's still alive. His count is up to like ninety six confirmed offspring, and I don't know if that's ninety six from pregnant women or if that ninety six also counts the legitimate. Bi- I don't think it does. I don't think it counts as legitimate biological children. Um, I think he honestly has like a hundred kids at this point. And some of the interesting reasons for why they they potentially put out there because it's a documentary. They didn't want to do it. You know, they didn't want to give any specifics because this man isn't going on record to talk about it. And you don't want to necessarily paint a one picture. This is why he did what he did, because we don't know. He's not he's not said why he did what he did. He may never. I mean, he'll never he'll never say it. There's a possibility maybe on his deathbed he'll say why it is he thought this was the right thing to do. Um, but the speculation is just going to run rampant. And one picture they painted in the uh, documentary is that he may have been of the mindset that seemed to be at least a, a, a mindset that was there at the time in like the 70s or 80s or whatever. And it was called Quiverful. And it was essentially this fanaticism, you know, kind of packaged as religious in in a certain context, but more so fanaticism from a white nationalist perspective of doing all that you can to continue or propagate the or propagate the 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 white bloodline even farther farther go out and have a quiver full of children and just send them out there so just have as many kids as you can so that way the white race will survive and you know he outside of kind of what they were speculated uh he has never openly been involved with that but like when you watch the docu series after they incorporate that piece as maybe something that could be there as maybe um, a working theory, even if it's very loosely in there. Uh, it, it does make you go back and look at all the children he has had, how he only seems to have targeted white women, how his offspring have been predominantly blonde hair, blue eyes. And I don't know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, man... Just just because you like you've thrown you've thrown it out there and now it's going to potentially run rampant. And I think I saw on Twitter that some people have already had a field day and just basically have labeled him as this fanatic cult racist that that did. And he very well could be. I you know I just think he's an awful person regardless. I mean, it doesn't matter truly what his ultimate goal was. It wasn't in good conscience, good faith. Now the thing that is so totally mind blowing about all of this is that a fertility doctor going and essentially having to ejaculate somewhere on the site and then go into an examination room after the fact with his baby gravy loaded into the the actual fertility equipment they use and inserting that into one of his patients without their consent or their awareness that he's not using the samples that they've either provided from their husbands or partners or that they've selected from whatever inventory they had on site. It just somehow that wasn't illegal in the state of Indiana and honestly in 
ever, ever. I don't think it's a federal, I mean, it's not even a federal crime at all. It's just one of those things that just feels so morally wrong, so morally disgusting that it is almost mind-blowing that there isn't something actually established as illegal about it. Uh, some of the the children wanted to have pursued some aspect of maybe rape, but the prosecuting uh, the prosecuting attorney general would not go that route. The prosecuting attorney would not go that route. Uh, the state did not want to seem to bring up those charges because they knew they would lose. Uh, and honestly, the when the trial actually happened, and you kind of see how the judge and community seem to sympathize with this man who's literally fathered. Not illegally, but morally apprehensibly, 96 children unbeknownst to 96 different women. It just is like, how, how is there not something against the law with that? How, how is the system not prepared? I mean, like, how? And um, honestly, going on Twitter after watching this with my wife, you kind of see that this isn't the only one, apparently. And they say it at the end of the series that this, like, there's 48 or like 44 other cases of this happening in the U.S. alone. And that is just so terrifying, right? Because now that I'm older, now that I've had my children and kind of seeing my friend group. Uh, of the same age range starting to go through the process of wanting to start their own families. You, you kind of see stuff that maybe you never really thought about uh, when you were younger before, you know, before having my own kids. It's never, I never really thought about how many people or like all the strange occurrences or just the, the situations in which, you know, not everyone can conceive just as naturally as, as my wife and I did. And, and like you see, you see people, I mean, you don't see it a lot because a lot of people will keep this locked away because it's very private, very personal. But when you see some of it start to come out or you start to hear some of the personal stories from, from friends or whatever, and you see just how damaging, you know, the, the process of wanting to start your own family can be for individuals, whether it's, you know, inability because of health or health-related reasons or just something isn't clicking naturally that you would never think wouldn't wouldn't you know never think would be the case uh it becomes one of these things that you know that's awful enough but now to now to think that some of these people that are because we have the scientific ability to to help with these individuals now some of these people have to be fearful that they're not getting what they asked for or that someone's taking advantage of of this very stressful very strenuous very draining process of, of just trying to do something that they just always probably assumed would be a naturally occurring thing. It's just evil. It's evil that doctors, it's evil anyone would do this to any person. And for as much good as, as, as you know, all these fertility clinics and everything like that, there's always going to be stories like this, and it's always going to make it more painful for those um, that are that are struggling to conceive naturally to, to, to weigh these options of like, we could do that, but like, I have no guarantees that this is going to work. And now I have no guarantees. This is even going to be the thing, you know, the, be the, the samples used that I want. Uh, 44 other doctors have just decided, screw it. We're going to take matters into our own hand and we're going to do this malicious thing. And I don't know, man, it's just one of those things where it's just, it, this sucks. This sucks that this is a thing that happens to people. This sucks that this is the reality. This sucks that there are people like 
it sucks that we have people like Dr. Donald Klein up in Indiana right now. Dr. Klein and his 96 children that he sired through apprehensible because we can't say illegal. I mean, now you can. Uh, I think Indiana back in 2019 had actually moved to make this something that's illegal, which almost feels like the biggest no-brainer in existence. And again, it blows my mind that there's not some kind of safety net in regard to doctor, surgeons, any mel- you know medical practitioner acting in good faith of the of their patients, but like it's just it's it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing that monsters like Dr. Donald Klein in Indianapolis area can can still be in existence and still just kind of live. I mean, he got punished like $500. And he's still a pillar of his community, according to people that made handwritten notes to give to the judge. And the judge worried about his health and how sweet of an old man he was. And it's just like, man, when you see all of that stuff and you see how it impacts these children who now, because this Dr. Klein, this monster, isn't going to open up about some of the the medical history of his own. These kids are suffering from just random, arbitrary, genetic issues that they have no idea what they're getting into because a lot of them didn't realize their current father isn't who actually biologically sired them and it's just it's messed up it's messed up so you know I'm back into podcasting and and in this moment I've I've went from fun times with kids and robots to horrific times with kids and an evil doctor named Dr. Donald Klein in Indiana uh, who who did just the awfulest thing that I mean I I'm probably the one of the most awfulest things you could do as as a doctor specifically as a fertility doctor right I mean there's also other awful things but let, I mean this honestly feels like one of the biggest I'm not gonna say the biggest because I'm sure there are other just truly awful things that can happen and that's I don't want to I don't want to go too deep into just how awful can we make this situation? But that sucks. And it's a weird transition to everything. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll end with me talking about kids once yet again. But this is a different avenue of kids. This is myself and my children. Me, my wife, and my two kids, our two kids. We recently went to an amusement park that is about an hour and a half drive, almost two hours away from where we currently live, which is called Silver Dollar City. Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. We love Silver Dollar City. My wife and I love Branson. We honeymooned in Branson. We go to Branson every chance we get. We thoroughly enjoy the Branson experience, and Silver Dollar City is a big part of that. Uh, Both of us went to Silver Dollar City when we were younger as kids, and I now feel really awesome that I get the chance to share something from my childhood, even though it looks different, even though some of it is different, even though a majority of it looks the same uh, with my kids. And, and, and it kind of is like a mixture of nostalgia and just like this this sense of, you know, awesomeness to watch your kids enjoy things that you enjoy. Um, but this time around, because it was a relatively nice day, granted it rained on us to start the adventure that day, because it was a relatively nicer day, myself and my daughter... Uh, who is five, um, we decided we were going to ride a ride that neither one of us have had a chance to ride before. Now, I used to ride a very similar ride back in the past. used to be called the Lost River of the Ozarks. And it was one of those, you go through some rapids, and then there's kind of a big slide down. 
and you get soaking wet. It's a water ride. I enjoy water rides. Silver Dollar City doesn't have a lot of water rides. It has like two, and then it has a lot of roller coasters. Not a big fan of roller coasters, um, but I thought water ride, it's, it's not a roller coaster. I bet my five-year-old daughter, who's now tall enough to ride cool stuff with me, uh, will enjoy this, and, and I'll get to ride Mystic River Falls, which is the revamped Lost River of the Ozarks, for the first time with her, and, and this is going to be a treat. And we sat and like we went through line. It took us about thirty minutes, but she did great. I did great. I didn't get grumbles, and and she was genuinely, you know, excited and patient the whole time getting up there. And then we get on the ride, and it's an eight-person ride, so it's me, her, and, and another family of six, and they're doing an amazing job of talking to my daughter and you know making her feel. Uh, uh, like a part of this process and like this is a fun thing for all of us and not not making her feel awkward that there's strangers on there with us uh, and she is <laughs> giving snappy responses back because she's trying to show me she's in her serious mood and we go through the ride and again the ride is is a revamped version of the old kind of rapids and then a drop off to splash um, but the ride this time around is different in the revamp they added an elevator that lifted you, that lifts you up. I probably like two stories, three stories, probably three stories is probably a better one. Three stories, um, and then drops you down a slide in this eight-person raft, and then kind of slows you down before you hit a big drop-off slide uh, that then splashes water everywhere. And I should have known from the beginning that my daughter would ultimately end up not enjoying this um, but for the most part she seemed to be doing pretty well with it she wasn't getting too splashed in, in like with the water and everything like that I was getting probably more soaked than she was um, because I weigh more and like the raft just happened to keep turning to to put me back first into the cold water every chance it got um, but my daughter doesn't like getting water in her face specifically in her eyes um, she hasn't gotten to that point of comfort yet where she she can just kind of brush off water and feel good. She doesn't like to put her face in the water when she's swimming. She likes to keep her head above the water. And, and it's understandable. You know, that's probably a very ingrained human response of underwater bad, above water good, breathing air nice. Um, but we get on this ride and uh, we're starting to go up the elevator. And the elevator itself, it's kind of like a conveyor belt, kind of like a, a loading elevator thing. And it's nice and calm, and it's not shaky, uh, it's not rickety, it's just a very calm, you're lifting up. So I, I wanted to talk to my and I'm not a big fan of heights either, so I just wanted to talk to her to, one, keep myself from looking around and seeing how potentially high up we were getting. Um, but she was like gripped onto the center circle bar, and I put my arm on her chest, and I could feel her little heart beating so fast. And I was like, oh no, she's not enjoying this. And I'm like, Charlotte, or how, how are you doing, baby girl? And she goes, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, Daddy. I'm like, I'm sorry, baby. We can't get off now. We just have to go to the end. Because by that point, there is no stopping this ride. We have to go and finish out the remainder. Uh, so she, she, I was like, just look at Daddy. You know, just, just close your eyes if you need to. Uh, so she closed her eyes and everything. And we go down the slide. And when it initially drops you off of the elevator onto the slide, I didn't realize how fast that was going to go. But it was fast and and she wasn't digging that and then we hit the last big incline that drops you into the water and makes the big splash and soaks everyone and she really did not like 
uh, that part because she got soaking wet. She got water all over her, in her face more specifically. So she was kind of having a little bit of a panic from that. Uh, people were shooting water cannons because on this ride, you can actually go to where the splashdown occurs at the end and pay money for tokens and load tokens into these water cannons to spray people as they reach the end. So you yourself may never ride the ride, but you can pay money uh, to spray people at the end and get them even more soaked. Uh, so Stephanie, my wife, and my son were sitting there waiting for us at the end, and and she's kind of having a little bit of a panic, and I'm trying to calm her down because I don't want her, I don't want this other family to see her just losing her mind in in in, in sheer terror <laughs> because water's in her face. Um, but then you know she she did something that I thought was really cool for for a five year old that doesn't maybe not doesn't actually know what they did, um, but like I was like trying to calm her down and she was doing the best she could. Uh, but then, you know, I was trying to make her fixate on her mom, like showing her, like, hey, mom's waving at you, mom's waving at you. Uh, and then the 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 father of the family that was with us, he started talking to Charlotte. He's like, ah, that wasn't so bad, was it? And she's like, ah, no. And, and, like, it was cool that they, again, started interacting with her. And through that, it kind of took some of the tension off of her in the moment. Granted, when myself and her got off the ride, I go, baby girl, did you have fun? And she said, daddy, I never want to do that again, which kind of breaks my heart because that's legitimately my favorite uh, type of ride. And, and by far now having rode it, my favorite ride at uh, Silver Dollar City. So it makes me sad that, <laughs> that my daughter, who probably is the only person I could con into doing with me, doesn't want to do it with me. Uh, but here's to hoping Next time I go, my son has gotten tall enough that he can ride with me so I can at least have him ride one time, him get soaking wet, and then never wanting to do it again and just burn both of my children's interest in joining me. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Then after that, we found another little water ride, which is basically just a boat that people can sit on um, both sides of it, and you kind of go through this area, and there are water cannons on the outside where people can can sit there and turn the water cans. This isn't pay. This is all, all this is free. Um, but they can sit there and crank the water cannons and shoot people on the boats. And then people on the boats can shoot um, people that are kind of either just walking through the park or are lined at these cannons. And that was a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, again, my kids don't like getting sprayed in the face. So uh, it was, you know, my daughter screaming, I just want to live and hiding behind her mother and me having to like, put my face and body in front of my son while he's trying to spray other people but so he won't also get sprayed so I, I just I basically was soaking wet for six straight hours and probably now have mildew and the fact that I actually still have my voice after all of that is amazing but the best thing is uh, is that it was really fun to hang out with my family and, and this I felt like was one of our our better Silver Dollar City trips because both children are now getting to a point where they can do more and they want to do more and they can articulate what more they want to do and what all they want to do. And I, I'm definitely looking forward to the future as they both get older to us having more fun adventures at amusement parks now that, that we can kind of understand and they can get on a lot more stuff. Uh, they're still, you know, feeling safe and secure on, on, on the predominantly kid rides and that's great. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to push them out of their comfort zone, but it is nice that we can start doing a little bit more with them and just kind of seeing where their little personalities go. So, I'm Mr. Cack. I am back, and I've already done the Eminem 
joke back again thing. So I'm not going to do that at this time, but I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I will be back. If not next week, look for an episode two weeks from now. My, my schedule might get a bit iffy. The month of June is actually a pretty high volume uh, work month for me. And it's probably going to really drain my voice because I'm going to be dealing with um, around 700 students. And let's see, I will work directly with about a sixth of that uh, so, you know, still about a hundred students I'll have to process through, through conversations coming up. I've already done 20 of them. So, uh, there's another, what, 80, another 80 <laughs> more to go before it's all said and done, if not more. Um, so my voice may be drained. Uh, so I'm definitely going to, before, um, next week or whenever my next podcast episode releases, I'm going to definitely have to find a partner to talk to, to kind of help give a little reprieve to my voice, but we'll see. Um, if you yourself would like to join me, Mr. Cack on a Mr. Cack and me episode, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can do it on any of my social media platforms. Uh, please feel free to find me. I'm Mr. Cack and me on pretty much everything. Uh, so you can just search that way. I'm on for sure. Instagram, uh, on Twitter. I am Chris Cagle is my is my Twitter handle. I am Chris Cagle is my Twitter, so feel free to find me there. And I'm also on Facebook, uh, for those of you that are older. <laughs> feel free to find me on Facebook, uh, Mr. Cack and me. Uh, I think it might be the Mr. Cack is maybe the, the little page handle there. Anyways, you can find me. Please find me. Um, if I don't... I think I have a link tree that has my email address. If not... DM one of those accounts on social media and I will get back to you ASAP on trying to do a show with you or at least having a sit-down conversation with you or discussing whatever topic or interest you have. Again, this has been Mr. Cack. Welcome back to the neighborhood. I hope you have a great time. I hope you've been having a great time and I look forward to chatting with you all again. Adios. Adios.